week it seems like we we find something different that we think about of how do we live into the new normal. Uh, I find it interesting that we were scrambling a little bit this morning because we were trying to figure out how to how do we do church without live stream? Uh, and how funny that is to think a year ago, uh, we would have panicked the other way. And it just shows you where the church has moved um, in the course of the last year. And so uh, it's just an opportunity for us to keep, keep reminding ourselves uh, that it's okay. It's okay to change. Uh, I love what Al said uh, in our prayer about, about forgetting and, and, and forgetting love. It's, it's what... You think about what Jesus warns the church through John, right? That don't forget your first love. Don't forget what you, what you started with. Uh, and that's really a reminder for us um, today. Uh, today is Valentine's Day, so it's a perfect day for us to think about how do we love each other. I mean, that is the core command, right? For us to love each other. But that's hard. Is that hard for anybody other than me? How many of you, that's hard sometimes to love each other? And if you're not raising your hand, mm, really? Um, because people irritate you, right? One author I found wrote this, says, I love mankind, it's people I can't stand. Uh, and, and that's true. Let's, you know, confession is good for the soul, so let's just, let, let me push you a little bit, especially to those who didn't raise your hand. I really want you to be honest. All of us in the room, is there somebody in your family doesn't have to be the person next to you, but it might be. Is there somebody in your family that irritates you? Raise your hand. And I'm not doing this like illustratively. I'm like, yes, there's somebody in my family that irritates me. It's not you, babe. Uh, it's so, <laughs> I am smart enough to at least say that on Valentine's Day. Uh, but, okay, so, but how about if you work somewhere or if you have worked somewhere, is there, is there an employee or employer that irritates you. All right, okay. Again, Claire and I worked for a long period of time together. It's not you. Uh, and so, how about um, how about somebody? And this is hard a little bit for us. How about somebody in the church? Somebody in your Sunday school class, or somebody that's not in your Sunday school class? Uh, is there somebody in the church? It doesn't have to be the ones that are sitting in the sanctuary today. Uh, somebody in the church that has ever irritated you? Raise your hand. All right, so for most of us, in one of those categories, we find somebody that has irritated us, and yet we are called to love. I love there's a song that says, um, I'm so glad to be in the family of God, you know, and we sing it sometimes, and out of the corner of our eyes, we're thinking to the person that's sitting beside us, I'm not sure how you got in the family of God. Uh, and so we, we just have this, I mean, it's human nature that we struggle with loving each other. I want you to challenge yourself to answer this question. How do you make love the dominating characteristic in your life? We talk about new normals, how a question can spark a fire in you. How do you, how do you make that the dominating characteristic in your life? Because if we acknowledge that it's difficult for us, but yet we also acknowledge that God commands us, that's the part that we have to struggle with. I remind you today that the Bible commands us in 1 John, this is what it says. This is the message that you heard from the beginning. This is, so church, this is, this is not something new like revolutionary. This is something that we have been commanded from the beginning. This is the message you heard from the very beginning. Love each other. 
Now, we spend time doing lots of things, and they're all the things that we tend to think of that are important. So we work, we spend time with family, uh, we may serve in some aspect in the life of the church, uh, we are advocating for someone outside the church, uh, we're working for community functions, we're doing all of these type of things. But Scripture tells us this in 1 Corinthians 13. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Even though we have the freedom to set our own priorities, we have the freedom to do what we choose to do, Jesus makes a point to tell us that there are certain defining things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he says. It's the greatest commandment. And then the second is just like it. Anybody know what it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. These two things kind of sum up our message. Love is not a gray area in scriptures. We are commanded to love each other. And Jesus gave love a priority over all other Christian values. So every thought, and this is kind of a sobering thing to think about, every thought, every action, every response, every social media post, every comment that you comment to somebody else's social media post should be filtered through the lens of love. Everything. Or it means nothing. Martin Luther King wrote in his book, Strength to Love, that our responsibility as Christians is to discover the meaning of this command and to seek passionately to live it out in our daily lives. That's our responsibility as followers of Jesus. But why? Why is love so important? Why is it important for us to understand? Jesus says that these first and second commands that they sum up the law and the prophets, that they fulfill that. To the people of Israel and for most of us who are believers today, it, it seems logical sense that obedience would be the, the peg that we would hang our hat on with regards to the law, that law would drive obedience because it makes sense. Laws and we adhere to those laws. John 14 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yet Jesus also said in John 13, I give you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you must also love each other. The Apostle Paul says, love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is what fulfills the law. Jesus' simple command, it, it requires greater strength. It has more power than anything that we can think of in this world. Any force, any organization, any weapon, love is what drives everything. And the logic of Paul's interpretation to love each other, to love your neighbor fully, it, it just simplifies when you stop and think about what that would mean. If you love your neighbor, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. If you love your coworker, even the one that irritates you, then you're not going to say something ugly about your coworker. If you love your enemy, 
you're not going to curse your enemy. So if we love each other, it drives and fulfills the law. Because if we truly love a person, then we're going to desire not to hurt or violate that person. God establishes love as the impetus for obedience. It's the starting point, if you will. And so when we demonstrate Christian love, and here's the important part, when we demonstrate Christian love, it distinguishes us from the rest of the world, from the worldly way of living. John 13 goes on to say this, this is how everyone will know you are my disciples, when you love each other. Notice what that doesn't say. Nobody, they're not going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ because you sit in this sanctuary from 10 to 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. They're not going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ because you put a bumper sticker on the back of your car. Because I assure you, I see a lot of bumper stickers on the back of the car. Not so, not so Christian behavior. They're not going to know that you're a follower of Christ because you wear the right t-shirt or you, you say the right thing. That's not how they're going to know according to Scripture. But rather, if you love one another. Listen to me, and this is so important, church, because we have to realize this. A watching world is not going to be persuaded by us just simply advocating a truth. It's incarnating a truth. It's being a witness. Witnesses of love. It's though... God has given the entire world the ability to judge if we are followers of Christ by our ability to love each other, to love our neighbor. And that's what distinguishes us as Christians. From the very beginning, God has given a plan, and that plan is to develop us in character, develop us as Christians, and for our character reflect the character of Christ. What's the character of Christ? Love. How do we know that? Scripture says that. Listen to 1 John 4. God is love. I could stop right there. God is love. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us, so that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God is in this world. Believers, we are God's advertisement. To a watching world we are God's advertisement to a watching world we are representatives of Christ to people who don't know him loving each other is our best apologetic it's our best way of being a witness to the world around us I read a story from a missionary that travels in East Africa and and he he wrote that he observed this weird phenomenon when he was as a missionary and said that the people would walk through the village where he was serving and there was a a hospital that was in that, that village and it was ran by the government. And so they would walk past the government hospital and they would walk several miles further through the village down to a little clinic that was ran by the missionaries. And so as he observed this over and over and over again, he finally stopped one day and asked the people who were walking, why are you doing this? Why are you walking several miles extra and then having to walk back? 
You're going past a hospital that's going to give you the exact same medicines that we're going to give you. And said that their response was, it's the same medicines, it's just different hands. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. It's just us today. So you can, you can do this and not be too fearful. I want you to raise your hands. Just, you don't have to raise your arms, just your hands. I want to see your hands. Listen, Christ has no hands, but yours. Christ has no feet. You can tap your feet a little bit if you want to. Tap your feet. Christ has no feet, but yours. We are the hands and feet of Christ to the world. That's the reason that our witness is love. Listen, when we do it, people will notice. But this is also equally important. When we don't, people will notice. We are commanded. So how do we, how do we love distinctively like Christ? First, I would say to you is we cannot... We cannot confuse the love that Al's talking about. We cannot confuse the unconditional love of Christ with the conditional love that we have. We make that, that's lust, that's um, uh, sentimentality, uh, it's self-gratification. We can't confuse those things. Love is, yes, there's a warm feeling to it, but it's not just a feeling. According to Scripture, it's an action. It's an active interest in someone else. It's an active interest in another person. One author wrote this that says, love is the spirit in the heart that will never seek anything but the highest good of its fellow man. God loved us not because we have something to offer him, but because he has something to offer us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I've told you, and I say this sometimes to people who come in for counseling, I want you to think about that scripture And I always try to tell you to think of it personally. If you were the only person on this earth, God would have sent his son for you. But here's the part that we have to also realize. Remember that person over here that irritates you in your family, at your work, in the church? Maybe it's a group of people that irritate you. Should I say, maybe it's a political party that irritates you. Whoever that is, if they were the only person on this earth, God would die for them. That shows you how much they matter to God. It's one of our core values. If they matter to God, then they should matter to us. Each and every one of them. Love is going to value the other person. The second thing I might would tell you is love opens up your life to another person. It goes beyond just sentimental feelings. Think about Jesus. He left the glory of heaven to come and put on human flesh. And what did it get him? John describes it this way. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Can you imagine that? Last week we were not here and uh, 
due to the death of Claire's mother. And I can't, I, I just kind of put it, put it in a simple form. I go away and I come back a week later and you don't recognize me. How would that make me feel? How would it make you feel if you had been gone the entire pandemic and so you walk back in and, and nobody recognized you? And more than that, with Jesus, it wasn't that they just didn't recognize him. The people that he came and left heaven for spit on him, tortured him, nailed him to the cross. And what did he do? Scripture says he looked at them and he forgave them. Christian love is the most costly, inconvenient investment you will ever make. C.S. Lewis writes it this way, to love is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it, round, wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. Instead, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. Now, every analogy breaks down for me the theology of irredeemable, but I think his point is that the truth is love comes with a great cost. It takes a chance. It goes out on a limb. It, it puts itself out there. It takes a gamble. Love costs you something. There's a great story. Did any of y'all ever read anything by Lee Strobel? He's an author. He's written several books, and I would encourage you. He's, he's a really good author. But he, he tells the story of um, the gentleman that's the, the founder of World Vision, if you've ever heard, I think his name is Bob Pierce. Um, but he, he was a missionary as well, and he was diagnosed with leukemia. And his story is, is that as he was getting ready, progressing with the disease of leukemia, he knew he was going to die. He wanted to go back to Indonesia one more time. And so he went back to Indonesia, and as he was walking around through some of the villages, there was a little girl that was sitting over by the river. She was laying by the river, and so he kind of caught, caught his eye. So he asked, they said that she was diagnosed with cancer. It's a little bitty girl, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and she knew that she was going to die in a few days. And so she wanted her family to bring her somewhere where she felt uh, refreshed and cool. And so they laid her by the river. And so he went over, when he heard her story, he went over and he prayed with this little girl. And as he was praying, the little girl began to mumble something. It was in a dialect he didn't completely understand. And so he asked his guide, what is she saying? And, her, and, and the guide said, she's saying, if I can only sleep a little bit. Over and over again, if I can only sleep a little bit. If I can only sleep a little bit. If I can only sleep a little bit. You see, the girl was in so much pain Cancer had eaten her so much that she was in so much pain she could not even sleep. And the story is, is that this gentleman that was there reached into his bag and he had some medicine that helped him sleep because he too was in pain at night. 
And so he gave it to the guy and he said, I want you to make sure that she gets one or two of these pills every night as long as they last so that she can get a little bit of rest. And he knew that he could not get any more medicine for 10 days. So for 10 days, he was going to be in pain every single night to where he couldn't rest. And I tell you that story because for him on that day, love cost him something. And when it costs you something, God is still able to give you a fulfillment that's hard to explain. But if you've ever been there and you know what I'm talking about, you know you have felt that peace that comes. Right? It's an investment that we make. I'm not saying that we as Christians have to be kind of doormats for people, but I am encouraging you to realize that Christian love invariably will cost you something. And you have to ask yourself, I mean, today, think about it. You're following Jesus Christ. What's it costing you? And if you literally can say nothing, I challenge you to look deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Christian love will cost you something. I've thought a lot over the last week as our family said goodbye to Claire's mother. And I realized, you know, I mean, the maturity, the measure of our maturity is our love of God and our love of other people. It's really all that matters at the end of our life is our love of God and our love of other people. If we, if we, miss, if we miss loving others, I think we miss what relationship with Jesus Christ is all about and the abundance of life that Jesus Christ offers us. That's what Christ command is us. And listen, you cannot, and this is so, you cannot love with the love of Christ without Christ. You can't. And so many people, we're trying, our, we're trying to, to figure out how to move forward in life and we forget to realize that, that it's going to take Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to allow us to love each other. And so it's a thing that we can struggle with. If, we, if there's somebody that I'm struggling with, I know that God wants me to love them, then I begin to look and allow the Holy Spirit to move and transform me because I can't do it without Christ. So I just invite you to think about today. You're going to hear a lot on TV. You're going to see a lot of commercials. It is certainly a market, Al. I would agree with you. But let it challenge you today to think about loving others with the love of Jesus Christ. In any place we fall short, ask for God's grace and mercy, but be different. Let's love each other. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you that you are God who loves us so unconditionally. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. 
And Lord, we ask for forgiveness in those places that we, that we struggle and we fail. For each and every person that is in this room that may listen to this sermon online throughout the week, pray first and foremost that we can come to a place where we accept you Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that once we've done that we accept your grace we accept your mercy but that we live differently we seek after loving our neighbors our enemies those who wrong us so we truly can be your witness to the world It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.